This is the podcast for RUF at the University of Texas. A community for students to experience God's grace and express God's grace to others. For more information, visit www.ruf.org slash UT. Or find us on Instagram at TexasRUF. Lord, thanks so much for these students. Thanks for this chance to be together. And Father, we ask that you would uh, speak to us through our seniors tonight as we hear how you have been at work in their lives. We give you thanks for this time and this place to, uh, to look back on and hear how you have been at work. And I pray for students who are here, for, uh, for our freshmen, sophomores, and juniors, um, that you would help them to even hear maybe ways that their own stories intersect with the ones they're going to hear tonight and how you also could be at work in their lives. And we pray that you would bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can see the roster of who's going to be speaking tonight. Um, kicking it off, first for us, please give it up for Logan Lett. Hi guys, um, I'm Logan, and this is super surreal being the senior on this night. Um, I'm not a naturally reflective person. I lean more towards planning than reflecting, so this was the easiest thing for me to do. So I had to type, type it all out. Um, after sitting on the leadership team's staple question of how has God been working in your life, I decided to talk about how God has changed me and developed our relationship in college especially since freshman year. Freshman year, I had big ideas of what college would look like. New friends, good grades, a winning football season, and a place to grow my faith. I quickly heard about RUF and went to the first large group. John gave a great sermon, probably hitting three points, leading to a captivating story. We ended with a song, and I loved it. I was so excited to have found a place where I wanted to invest my time and focus on growing my faith. I became busy, my weeks filled up, but I was sure to leave an hour for RUF on Wednesday nights. I realized a couple, a couple months in that I was constantly looking forward to RUF and the peace I felt in RUF, almost as a mental reset in weeks where my schedule was moving faster than I could keep up with. So when I heard about the leadership team that offered more meetings, I signed up as fast as I could. I thought if I could go to more RUF meetings, I would find more of this peace and feel more satisfied. When I was reflecting, I compared how I was treating Jesus as an RUF friend. Everyone has their school friends or work friends, where you enjoy spending time with them, but these relationships are more rooted in the convenience of a place. Maybe there's hesitation to bring your school friend to 6th Street with your social friends, not because you don't enjoy their company or don't think it would be fun, but because you don't know what that would look like. In the same way, I love growing my relationship with Jesus in RUF, but I was not involving this relationship in all aspects of my life, partially because I didn't know how. What would that look like to bring Jesus to Lucky Love as you pray for an exam with a friend who should probably be paid for helping you understand that much accounting, or to town lake on a morning walk, or to pay Terry's to grab the side of special sauce that your friend had promised she picked up for your fries? Colossians 3, 15-17 explains how we can do this. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
In whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Nothing else compared to the joy I found in RUF, and I wanted to find that always. So I started praying and reading scripture and recognizing blessings of God outside of RUF. This was a gradual, conscious process that took encouragement from friends and family with conversations about my faith and my doubts. Mary Hindley especially encouraged me by checking in on my prayer life and John, and John constantly highlighting the trustworthiness and goodness of God and his servants. Relationships rooted in Christ are infinite, and because they're infinite, I don't fear graduating UT, and I don't fear leaving RUF anymore. Although RUF has been an amazing vessel to grow my faith, and I'm going to keep listening to these sermons long after I graduate, these relationships with friends in Jesus will continue to grow in other ways. Just as my relationship with Jesus is infinite in time and not bound by a place, it is infinite in death. Colossians 3, 3-5 explains how this is possible. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear within glory. Through his grace and love, I'm able to develop my relationship with Jesus in all aspects of my life because he sees people in all, in all aspects of life, not just in real life. I hope that you find comfort in knowing that God is working through and outside of RUF and pursuing you for a relationship filled with the hope of eternal love. Father, thanks for loving. Thanks for, um, Lord, the ways that you have entered into um, all of our life. And Lord, we pray um, that you would show us the places in our lives where we are keeping you out and just think about my own life and how I do that with you, Lord Jesus. Um, we pray that you would, would be at work in us, um, knocking down the barriers where we would keep you out um, so that we can grow more in you and grow more in our need and realization of our need of your grace. We love you and it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Come on up, Susie.
So many strange questions I've had have been answered with such patience and kindness and humility, and I am in awe of how God has worked with the staff over the past few years. Um, Mary Henley, thank you for being such a steadfast friend and so organized, and for answering any and all random questions I've had about Mississippi. So far, you are correct. Every road does lead back there. Um, <laughs> to John and Daniel, thank you for answering any and all strange or spiritual questions I've had. Even though I never seem to know what I'm asking, you somehow managed to answer anyway, so thank you. Uh, Maria, thank you for your kindness and willingness to listen, and also for all of your help with and lament of military insurance. Um, <laughs> Nicholas, thank you for letting me pester you about biblical counseling and Enneagram and whatever for hours. Possibly the most patient debater I've ever known. And also, I hope you love Gentle Moly. Sidebar, if you haven't read Gentle Moly, Please read it. If you've had more than one conversation with me ever, I emphasize this, but please, it's one of my favorite books. It's one of the best books I've ever read, and I was homeschooled, so I read a lot of books. Please <laughs> read it. Um, so, the last thing I'll say is that I am working for RUF this coming fall, which is like my absolute dream. Um, thank you. Um, but I was talking about it the other day, like I have every day for the past six months, um, and whoever I was talking to stopped me and like, why are you so excited for training? Because apparently I've been so excited for training for so long. And I was just immediately able to list off 15 people whom I love and I'm so excited to see again. This summer training, which is just, God is so good. Um, I've been so kind to me in that. Anyway, um, God has used Texas RUF to show me his love and kindness in a thousand different ways, but mainly through his people and friends, all of which are all y'all. I pray you continue to bless this community richly and you all know the support and kindness I have found here. Um, one last note, Zephaniah 317 has been one of my favorite verses for years and years, and it has been such a sweet gift to hear it proclaimed over us each week for the past few years. So, thank you, God, and thank you, John John. Father, thanks so much uh, that you do make us for community made us in your image and made us um, needing relationships. And what I pray for people who are here tonight who may uh, feel lonely, um, who may be looking for community, God, I ask that you might even use RUF in their lives as well um, as a place to not only find more answers about who you are, but also um, what you've made us for, uh, a relationship with you and with one another. We love you, and we thank you for your work in Susan's life, and you use in prayer. Amen. All right, I'll get up for Grant. Hey, y'all. So my name is Grant. I'm actually a fifth-year senior, so I've been around here for a little bit. But uh, when John asked us to share with how God has been working in our lives, one of the things that kind of immediately came to mind to me is that during my time in college, God showed me a lot about what it looks like to follow Jesus in all walks of life, not just in Wednesday night party after on church on Sunday. And so... With that, I wanted to share kind of a couple of the lessons and things that I learned in the harder and more painful way, um, and some of these things I'm still kind of struggling with and just share this experience that I've had with all. So, I have known John Trapp for right about five years now, and if I've learned anything from him, it's that all effective messages are delivered in three points. So I have three really, really short points. Um, so, first message, first point. Pick somewhere to invest. So back on why it took five years, I got an engineering degree and finance degree, if that doesn't tell you already. I have a really hard time picking what I'd like to do. Um, that's kind of always been my struggle. I want to do everything. And so my freshman year, I was spread an inch deep and a mile wide. I think it was in like three or four different Bible studies, all in like 
three or four different organizations, and I knew tons of people, and I had almost no friends. Um, that is a recipe for being really, really lonely. And so I would encourage you all not to do that. And if you're waffling between different places, pick somewhere and invest in it. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about this really well in Mere Christianity. If you've never read Mere Christianity before, you'll probably hear it referenced in a sermon eventually. It's, it's a cult classic. Um, but one of the things that he said when he was talking about uh, church traditions, he says, is in the rooms, not in the hall, that there are fires and chairs and meals. The hall is a place to wait in, a place in which to try various doors, not a place to live in. For that purpose, the worst of the rooms, whichever that may be, is, I think, preferable. So if you're struggling with deciding, you know, which room to go into, the best advice I can give you is just pick one, because even the worst possible room is better than standing in Okay, I'll say it'll be short. Second point, sometimes it's okay to shoot for low grades, and a few of you are thinking, way ahead of you, I'm just shooting for that C minus, a couple of years, nobody are also thinking, yeah, you definitely don't understand this lesson. <laughs> you're right, I still struggle with this very but, you know, to kind of give you all an example, so a few years ago, I worked at Tyson Foods doing an internship in their technology group. Yes, actually, checking out your company, same one. Um, and part of the internship was we got to have a discussion with uh, the CTO, a guy named Scott Spradley. So, Scott was actually a big-time Silicon Valley guy. He had run a bunch of startups. He eventually became the CIO of HP whenever HP was actually a big deal. Um, it's kind of not anymore. Um, <laughs> But, you know, someone eventually asked me the question, they're like, you know, Scott, why, why did you move from Silicon Valley where you were kind of at the top of your career to come work in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas? And uh, how, how was, what surprised all of us was how candid his response was. So, uh, basically, he had taken a position over in China to go do a whole bunch of different manufacturing stuff, and he had moved his whole family there, and uh, he was spending every single week in five-star resorts and having the time of his life at the top of his career. He came home one week and his wife served with four papers. Um, and he, he admitted all of this, just all the inferences. He said that, you know, that was not what he wanted, so he, you know, readjusted some priorities and you know, made marriage work and eventually took a job that was a little bit overstressed. But uh, he finished it by saying, you know, look, I've got friends that are more successful than they could possibly imagine. They've got a ground floor at Google. They are leaders of startups. They all have more money than they all know what to do with, and every single one of them is miserable and they're very And he finished by saying, you know, look, you know, try not to worry as much about money and this industry might stay come. And I don't know if Scott is a believer or not, but he's hitting an idea that's really central and repeated over and over in the Bible. And that is work is a good thing, but work is not an ultimate thing. Um, Ecclesiastes 3 says that, you know, for everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. And it's true, there's important times to study, and studying is good, that's the reason we came here to get an education. But studying is not everything. You need to make time for relationships, and you need to make time to come to where you and invest in those other places. So, and the last point that connects to this, um, I promise you things are going to work out. Like, to the freshman version of me that is really concerned that you don't have your dream internship already because you've been here not even two full semesters, Side note, if there is a freshman version of me in here, come find me afterwards. There's a lot more that I can tell you. <laughs> 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 it's a different conversation. Um, but it might not be the way you think it is, but I promise you things are going to work out. And fortunately, you do not have to take my word for it. One of my favorite verses in all scripture comes from the end of Matthew chapter 6 and Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and Jude says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day that's in trouble. With that, I've got nothing else for you all. Father, we thank you for Grant. We thank you for his life and um, for the ways that you have shown up in it. And we pray that you would show us the places in our lives where we are anxious um, and that you would help us and to trust that you are actually more able to care for us um, in the things that we're anxious about. And you also love us more than we realize. And you are trustworthy with our anxieties. So make us people and ministry um, that casts our anxieties upon you. We love you and we thank you for your love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all give it up for Sarah.
And there's something so beautiful about being filled up with something that doesn't depend on myself. Because if there's one thing we learn in college, it's that depending on ourselves and trusting ourselves all the time and just focusing on ourselves is unsustainable and exhausting, and it failed me very fast. Um, and it also made me think differently about how the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love others. Like this isn't this isn't God disregarding our desires and trying to trick us and like make us not happy. It's actually Him telling us very clearly how to fulfill our desires in a better and more purposeful way. Um, he is our creator, and he knows how we operate best. And in his kindness, he's telling us how we operate best. Um, and he's allowing us to participate in a purpose that has already been perfected in Christ and doesn't depend on us. And um, it brings us ultimate joy. Uh, and I'm telling you all this because it changed my college experience, not because everything was easy or I got everything I wanted um, or because I was suddenly this like, super selfless person. It was actually the opposite. But through all the inconsistencies of college and the highs and lows and the emotions that I truly never felt before until I came to UT, um, in all that inconsistency, we have an unchanging God and an unchanging Savior and an unchanging purpose to love whoever is in front of us. Um, and so I just want to encourage y'all, wherever you are, especially if it's not a place that you quite expected for yourself, um, be faithful to what's in front of you. Be a neighbor to who's in front of you because Christ was first the perfect neighbor to us. Um, and trust that God is at work in that. And most of all, be excited to experience God's creativity. Because the thing that I underestimated most in college was how creative and wonderful God's plan is. And he wants us to see that. And it's just, it's really cool. And I kind of like what Susie was saying, like, I can't emphasize enough, like, the kindness of God. And it's just something that I want to let know. So, I love y'all. Also, shameless plug, one of the things that God provided for me in college that I wouldn't have chosen for myself was already a music team. And everyone should be on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Father, we do thank you that you have made us to be your image to the world. We bear your very image. And Lord, I pray that what Sarah said would ignite the imaginations of all of us sitting here. I pray especially for our seniors as they go out into the world that they might imagine what it would look like to to participate in your mission of spreading your light and beauty and goodness and the fruit of your spirit to the world for the good of the world and for your glory. I pray that you might do that through them. We love you and to Jesus we pray. Amen. Hi, y'all. I'm I also am really prone to talking fast, so I try to join y'all in advance. Um, RUF is one of the places that I have so clearly seen the Lord at work at life, or Lord at work in my life during college. This community has helped me experience God's love in really tangible ways. John made it clear from the very first time I walked into this mansion that he stood before us as a beggar, showing other beggars where he has found food. Because we are all just 
we are all in desperate need of a savior, we can freely admit that and let people in. This has made RUF a space where I am known and not just the pretty things. This has been so important to me because up until college, I had been a pro at looking like I had it all together and being okay when things were not. This started when my dad passed away when I was 10. My dad was the best. He really was super dad in my eyes. He loved the Lord with all his heart and from a very young age constantly reminded me that Jesus loved me. Uh, this was the truth that I held on to when it felt like everything was falling apart. Because if Jesus loved me, that would change everything. These were the words that gave me hope that everything would actually be okay. As life went on, it's not that I started doubting these words, but rather just thought that I was foolish to think that they were enough. I thought surely I must have to do something or earn something. That there was no way it could be this simple. This led me to think that I needed to make myself enough to make my dad, God, and anyone else in my life proud. So I began performing and trying to be really obedient and attempting and failing to make myself right. All that came, all that came from that was seeing how life-sucking it is to try and redeem myself. Through RUF, I have seen the way that the Bible is a story of redemption in a way that I had not understood before college. That from Genesis to Revelation, we see the story of God getting his children back. That it has never been about how we can make ourselves right with God, but it has always been about how God makes us right. Because of this, we are called to rest and rejoice because we have been credited with the righteousness of Jesus. We have the unshakable smile of our Father. This means that we have nothing to earn or prove. He is proud to call us his sons and daughters. What I learned is that this is, that this is also true of my earthly father. I can hold fast to his love because it was not dependent on anything except for that I was his daughter. His love reflected his dedication to me. It was a small reflection of God the Father's love for us. A love that simply rests on the fact that we are his kids. God has adopted us and now calls us co-heirs to his kingdom. As I have begun to better understand this, I have seen how the comfort that the words, Jesus loves me, brought me as a 10-year-old little girl whose world had just been turned upside down have always been enough. His love for us is why he went to the cross to make a way for us to have full access to God. His love is the reason that we are not just forgiven, but actually called righteous. God is a really, really good father because he himself is love. <laughs> Lord, your love is enough, and we thank you that that is true, and that because that is true, that we can have hope, and I pray that you would help us to see that more and more in the years to come, help us believe that you are love, that is enough, so we stand and pray, amen. Awesome. Hey guys, uh, my name's George, if you don't know me, um, uh, when I look back at my college experience, uh, the word that comes to mind when I think of like what God has done in my life is just freedom. Um, if you knew me, I know not a people knew me as well as Jackson Meadows probably did freshman year. Uh, he spent a lot of time with me in our dorm at Callaway, and he knows more than anybody that I was just a ball of like anxiety, uh, insecurity. Uh, I was always looking for what other people uh, were going to say or think about me, and I was just so worried and concerned um, that I would be this image that I had come into college trying to make myself into, and that was so truly exhausting. And um, it's been sweet to look back and see how foolish um, I was then, because 
um, through RUF and through so many people um, that God's blessed me with, I've been able to, to really just relax and rest in uh, what God says about me and not, um, not what I think about myself. And so I remember freshman year in the spring after, after a long first semester of bloodship and just getting used to college classes and walking around campus and just being so beat down. Um, and I remember Matthew Leggett came up to me and saying, like, hey, man, like, there's this freshman Bible study downstairs. Like, you should come hang out. And I remember being like, okay, who's this dude coming to hang out with this person at Calway? This is a little interesting, but if Matthew says he's cool, then I guess, I guess I'll try it out. And so uh, that was one of the you know, best decisions I made. I guess I didn't really make it. God put that in my path. And um, that's been such a blessing for me. Um, RUF itself and John, the other interns, um, it's been such a blessing to be here. The people that I've been blessed with have really just been uh, a gracious gift that God has used to, to point me to what he says about me and um, how he um, justifies and clarifies us as his children and not being justified in all our works and what we think we are. And that, the exhaustion that I felt freshman year has like slowly dwindled and I'm by no means uh, anywhere near um, living this, this way perfectly yet, but um, I can look back and see that my life is so different now because of the freedom that uh, my relationship with Christ has brought me. And that has been, um, when I look back at my experience, like that has been such a, such a way that God has just changed my heart and given me, I guess, I think freedom is just the word that keeps coming to mind when I was praying about talking here. And so a verse that I remember talking about with John probably every single semester at this point, but uh, especially freshman year was um, in Matthew 18, uh, when the disciples are talking about who is the greatest, and we started about this a couple weeks ago, but it says, at the time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, Jesus put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I think that really shook me, because I was living in a way that um, I was just so um, caught up in what I my image was and what I was going to do with my life and the future ahead of me, and uh, I didn't let myself just enjoy the blessings God had given me where I was, and so being like a child, obviously, we get to just rest in our Father and enjoy where we are, so I would encourage you all um, to be more like kids. It's fun. Thank you. for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we pray that you would guard us from um, all the ways that we begin disbelieving that. That we begin believing that we have to do something else in order to earn your love. And I pray that you would teach us what it means to live in the freedom of being your child. And we ask all this in you say, Amen. All right, y'all give it up for Ellen. Hi, everyone. My name is Ella, um, and I just want to start off by saying thank you to John and Mary Henley and Maria and Nicholas and just everyone that helps make RUF a thing here at UT. It's really been one of my favorite things about college and um, just such a special place. My first time coming to RUF was actually this night three years ago when I was a freshman, and I remember feeling like senior year was just so far away. <laughs> um, I felt a little scared about being in such a big school, finding my friends, and finding my place. 
Here I am now as a senior, and I'm able to look back at you two and recognize all the times God has been at work. I have two kind of main things that God has been at work um, in my life that really stood out. And the first one was uh, a Christian community. And I think that it's been something that God has constantly reminded me of. And Jesus really does speak through my friends. And it's something that I'm so thankful um, that I'm able to sit here and say that. I can clearly notice the times in my life where I've turned to Jesus and times where I haven't. And I just want to encourage anyone younger to really prioritize being a part of a community that will encourage you and point you towards Jesus and to help you grow in your faith. Um, another thing that God has really taught me is to trust his plans and to turn to him in times of uncertainty. I've always been a planner and you can ask my friends, my roommates, I always like to have my plans in, in a line and everything's ready to go perfectly. Um, and God has showed me throughout college that his plans are not always the same as my plans, but his plans are always better. And um, it's something that I've had to be reminded of so many times. God has opened and closed doors. And this has been something that's been hard, but it's been so life-giving in a lot of ways because it's taught me that God is always with me. And I always have unlimited access to him and his grace. Um, and so that's something I'm really thankful for. And um, the last thing I want to say is just I want to encourage everyone to make an extra effort to come to RUF and to make it a priority in your week um, because it's so worthwhile to invest in a community like this. And believe me, I'm not sitting here as a senior wishing that I went to more bar tabs or more frat parties. I'm wishing that I never missed a single RUF because this is just such a cool place to be a part of. And um, I'm really realizing that I won't have it next year. And um, my favorite memories of college and what I really want to encourage y'all to believe is that the true college experience is about full sending it for Jesus and nothing else. <laughs> Thank you. I think full send it for Jesus is the t-shirt picture actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that, uh, that you are at work even when our plans go awry, that you are uh, at work in community and that you do those things. You're at work in all that because you love us. And I pray that you would drive that into our hearts. We love you. We do something. All right? You got to give it up for now.
My mom kept telling me that God had a plan, and I prayed that was true. Coming to college, I had heard about RUF through some older friends of mine, who quickly explained to me it was pronounced RUF, not rough. <laughs> but as a freshman, I was so scared to go, yet I did. I thank the Lord every day for giving me that courage, because it was the best decision I made in college. I started attending John's Bible study in Hardin in large group on Wednesdays. Sure enough, I had started to find my community again that mimicked Christ-centered friendships, was being taught the Lord's word, and being reminded of who he, he was. Or, sorry, <laughs> something I needed to hear so desperately and was so scared I wouldn't have at UT. Throughout my mom's illness, I had faith, yet I still found myself constantly doubting his plan and what he was putting my family through. How could a God so good put such a faithful, loving, forgiving, kind person through this three times? She had already done her time, yet after a long, courageous battle, she died in April of my freshman year. I was mad, brokenhearted, and questioning God's plan. I could have, and honestly sometimes did, turn against the Lord and never let that anger and confusion go. But by the grace of God, that wasn't the case. As many of you know, college is a struggle in itself, and I was trying to navigate it as well as the death of my mom. I felt like I had been tossed a hard hand of cards, like many of us in this life, and I was trying to navigate, or I was trying to control it all on my own, from what was happening to my family to how I was going to handle this pain I was feeling. I quickly learned that I cannot control my life, no matter how hard I try. For a long time, I beat myself up about what I could have done to possibly still have my mom here today. Where did we go wrong? What did the doctors miss? What if I had just fought them harder to keep searching for something to help her? Yet weekly at RUF, I was being reminded that it was all in God's hands. And it took me over a year to finally come to an understanding and a peace of mind that there was nothing I could have done. A lot of the time, we don't like the way things unfold in our lives, but we have to trust in the Lord's doing and that he has a plan far greater, even though it may be hard to understand at the time. There's a lot of distractions in college, parties, dating, sorting, fraternity life, popularity, and so on. And I learned that none of that will give you the satisfaction you are looking for. None of that was or was ever going to fix the way I was feeling or what happened to me. Only the Lord could help me, and that took me a while to realize. And I'm still fighting today to remind myself that the Lord is for me, not against me. But if you're going to take away anything from what I said tonight, it's that unfortunately there may come a time time in your life where you're unhappy with the Lord or made down his plan. But don't run from him in these times. Run to him because all he wants is us. I wanted to run and honestly sometimes still do. But I knew that wasn't going to make going to get me anywhere nor make me feel any better. RUF was the one constant thing that had encouraged me to keep seeking him and I learned so much during the darkest days of my life. I was reminded of the goodness of the Lord, that he is still a good God even though my mom died. On the nights I cried more tears than I ever had before, he did too. He hated the pain I was in and was by my side every step of the way. I still struggle with why the Lord had to take my mom so soon, but because of my faith, I am at peace in knowing where my mom is. I know she's in the wind, the truly living, cancer-free and no longer in pain, and that she's still with me every day. God blessed me with a community better than I could have ever dreamt up in RUF, from handwritten letters to phone calls, prayers, and more. It meant the world and will never be forgotten. So John and all of you here in this room today, thank you.
that that your son Jesus shows us what you're like and that Jesus you wept at the tomb of your friend you love and we thank you that you weep with us like Natalie was saying that you, that you hate our pain that you're with us in it and you so identify with us in our pain that you went to the cross to ultimately take it away and give us hope and we thank you for the hope of heaven and we pray that I pray especially over these seniors that go out that they, uh, that they would not lose that hope saying. Great answer, all the Amen. Before we go to the next person, our uh, uh, landlord just uh, texted me and said some of y'all are parked at the tenant parking spots over here. They're going to tow. So if you park over here, there was like a white and green kind of sign. Run. <laughs> okay, who's next? Okay, great. Come on. You can unlock that and twist it. Yep. Um, well, not sure how I'm going to follow that up. That was awesome. I really thank you for sharing. Thank you. Um, if y'all don't know me, my name is Matthew Baggett, and I want to share to y'all um, who the God of the Bible revealed himself um, to be. So, for, to start off, I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember. Um, for most of that time, specifically throughout high school and even now, taking a fairly intellectual approach to faith and the Bible as a whole. Um, on top of that, I'm just kind of a skeptical guy. Um, so that's led me to a lot of different questions that I'm sure many of y'all have wrestled with, like, uh, is there an actually an intelligent creator who took the form of man? Um, I'm a man of science, so how, does, how can the Bible be true in totality? And wasn't I just born into a Christian family, so that's probably why I believe this. Like, if I were born into an Islamic family, I just believe that. And a lot of these questions were pretty unnerving. Um, but what I found comforting in high school was I was solidifying my identity as a Christian through following the rules, um, going to FCA, Young Life, things like that. And surely some of that was well motivated, but it was also distracting me from some of these doubts that I was having. Um, when I got to UT, started coming to RDF and hearing from guys like John Trapp, meeting with Daniel Long, um, going to All Saints and hearing from future RUF campus minister Jordan Griesbeck. Um, as I learned more about who the Bible says this God is, um, which is the God who invites in doubters, um, uh, my perspective on these doubts began to change. So I want to share a story about Jacob, and if you know this story, um, as Jacob was heading back into the land of Canaan, um, God comes down in the form of a man and begins wrestling him. Um, see, Jacob had been relying on himself instead of God. Specifically, he was trying to avoid his brother Esau, who he stole his blessing from. Um, and he developed his own schemes to um, evade this instead of asking God for forgiveness or for help. And God had enough, so as he came down to wrestle him, they wrestled for half of a day until Jacob just gave in and said, God, bless me. And God blesses him and then changes his name to Israel, which many scholars translate to, to wrestle with God. Um, and I actually found find comfort in what is kind of a bizarre story. Um, I think it tells us that God doesn't want perfect obedience, um, but that he does ask you to engage with him, and he invites you to wrestle with him. Um, one more story that I will share. Um, I'm actually stealing a lot from Jordan Greece back here. Um, he delivered this sermon about a year ago on Doubting Thomas. Um, and see, many know Doubting Thomas to be just that, a doubter. But Thomas spent his entire life with Jesus. He saw him raise people from the dead, walk on water, feed thousands. And yet when he heard that Jesus had risen from the dead, he doubted that himself. 
So if he was doubting these things, I promise that everyone in this room is going to doubt what the Bible has to say at some point. Um, but what's important is how Jesus treats this. He doesn't treat Thomas with indignation. He treats him with invitation. Um, I completely stole that from Jordan Griesbeck. <laughs> he says, put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place them on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. See, he doesn't condemn Thomas's doubts. He meets them. He sympathizes with him. He wants Thomas to know who he is, that he is truly the risen one. And see, I still don't have every answer, but I have learned more about the God of the Bible and who he claims to be. And I'm more willing not to run from my doubts, but actually to lean into them. Because there isn't any tradition or God in this world like that. Islam literally translated in submission to Allah. The goal of Buddhism is to work hard enough to detach yourself from the material that you'll escape the cycle of rebirth and reach nirvana. But the God of the Bible does not ask for perfect submission, nor does he ask you to earn your own paradise. He only asks that you rest in his grace and love. And if you can't rest in that, then wrestle with it. Because he met Jacob there, he met Thomas there, he's met me there, and he will meet you there too. Thank you. Father, we do thank you that um, that you meet us in our doubts. Uh, even think about what you, your brother Jesus says in the book of Jude when he tells the church to be patient and have mercy with those who doubt. Um, can't help but thinking that he said that because you were patient with him in his doubts. Um, we thank you that you meet us in that. And we pray. I pray for these students, especially these seniors. That uh, as Maggie said, they would always bring your doubts to you, and that you would meet them in that through your word and through your people. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, everyone. I'm Gigi, and I have something very simple to say tonight, which is, is that. I would just encourage all of you to remember and fight to really see the people in your classes. Um, I think at UT, we have so many different uh, priorities and focuses, and academics is one of them, but the people sitting on either side of us in our classes is often not one of them. And I think sometimes we just work so hard in school and totally miss the people who are sitting next to us. But the Lord is placing people around you. He is handpicking and hand-placing them in your path. They're not just randomly sitting next to you. The Lord has placed them there um, if you are in Him because He lives in you. The most precious thing in the entire universe lives within you. So why would He ever put you somewhere random? He has a plan for everything He's doing with you. Um, and life with him is so fun. If God lives in you, the most important thing in the universe lives in you, and he's never putting you somewhere random, there's always a reason behind where you are. And it's so fun to figure out what that reason is. Um, we get to pursue people and ask questions. Like there's a little like investigation, scavenger hunt. Like why has God put me here with you? Trying to figure that out. It's like a quest um, or a puzzle. And that's fun. That's full of adventure. And so lean into that. And um, in the Great Commission, Jesus, in Matthew 28, 19, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. 
And that word go can be translated as you go. As you go, make disciples of all nations. In your going, make disciples of all nations. In the things you're doing every day. As you go to school, as you go to RUF, as you go play sports, make disciples of all nations. Um, it's so good and awesome when people go across the world to make disciples, but Jesus calls us to make disciples as we go and the things we're already doing. And as students, what are we doing more than going to class? Like, obviously online, weird, but normally, <laughs> you know, we're doing that all the time. And so I just want to encourage you guys to ask the Lord to open each of your eyes to what he's already doing in the people around you in your classes. Because for me, when I look back on my four years, the most powerful relationships I've had have been with people in my classes who were complete strangers to me coming into college and people who were super different than me, uh, people who didn't know any of my friends, people that I never expected that God would want to use me um, in, a in a relationship with them. Um, but he does want to use you. Um, and so I just encourage you to ask him to show you what he's doing to the people around you and just love them, be kind to them, ask them questions. Um, and it's really fun. So I want that for y'all. Love y'all. Thank you. Father, we thank you that you welcome us into your joy and um, that you also call us to welcome others into that. And I pray for these seniors as they go out into your world, that, uh, that they would be a light, uh, not only to the far reaches of the world, but also uh, in their neighborhoods and in their, in their homes. Um, Lord, I ask that you would, like Gigi said, give us a curiosity for, uh, for how you are at work and help us to see what you're doing and be part of it. We love you. And Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oh, yeah. Hey y'all, I'm James. First, I want to say that I love the way Gigi says things. <laughs> um, that little message that you delivered can only be delivered in that way by you, and that's incredible. <laughs> so I'm not going to say things as uniquely as Gigi does, because that's not my style. But um, I did type some stuff out, so we'll see what happens. Um, John asked us to talk about how Jesus has been at work in our lives here at UT, and that's sometimes a hard question for me to answer, because sometimes it kind of feels like Maybe God isn't really visibly working. But I realized that I think my best answer to that is that Jesus has shown me that things work out. And I want to make sure that I'm clarifying. I'm not saying that things work out in this like convenient, worldly way of like, oh, everything, everything worked out. But they will work out in the end. And in my notes, I capitalized end, big end. So we're talking <laughs> eschatology here, but not really. <laughs> That's just the big picture. So it's kind of funny, I think I was sitting here listening to everyone else talk, and I was sort of mentally running through the stuff that I had written. And it's funny that this is the topic that I settled on tonight, because in a lot of ways it doesn't describe the rest of my experience in college, but I'll get to that. So, senior year is kind of an odd experience. On the one hand, you sort of float through these normal routines, but on the other hand, you're kind of looking beyond, and that's sort of like the great unknown. Um, and so, it's, it's this weird blend of certainty and uncertainty. And I've always been a person who doesn't stress about things. I, I've never been a worrier, I've never been a stressor. Things happen, they work out. I procrastinate on everything, and it all gets turned in somehow. Uh, 
thank you journalism degree for reinforcing bad habits. <laughs> like that's just that's just the way it's been. But this year's been a little different where I've realized that I can trust that things will work out, but I can't always trust in myself that things will work out because I don't know what working those things out necessarily means. So this year I found a job, I've gotten engaged, I'm getting ready to move to a new city, and that's really stressful and completely strange and foreign to me. Um, so when I was writing this, it made me think of a certain, well, I'm not going to say moment, but, uh, okay, um, let's see, at UT we have a reminder of a very important truth, and it's literally written in one of our buildings. So the main building at the base of the tower says, you shall know the truth, and truth shall set you free. And that is biblical, it's John 8, 32. Um, the first, well, the whole verse reads, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So sophomore year, I was spending a lot of time by the tower just because where my classes are, and I noticed that. And I, know, I thought, I remember thinking that the truth that's inscribed on that building means something very different to us than it does to non-believers. In a, from a secular perspective, you know the truth is like, all right, go out and learn everything, and when you learn things, you'll be good. But for us, the truth is a capital T, and capital letters are important today. Um, the truth is a real thing that we believe, and we believe that the truth is freeing because it frees us from having to be good enough for anything. It, it frees us from having to trust that you can get that assignment done at the very end, and frees you from having to worry, as Grant mentioned, the other verse that I kind of consider putting in here, but I thought this was more personal for me. Um, and that's the point, right? Um, so yeah, if we have eternal love from the Father secured for us by Jesus, then what do we need to worry about? We can be free to fail in school or work or any of that. We can go into unknown situations with confidence because in, at the end, capital E, everything works out. We know that. John talked about that. Um, so, I was thinking about this, graduating and starting over is a lot like the last time we graduated and started over, high school to college. So, you know, going and leaving college, I'm going to have to go into a world with new rules and rhythms, and everything that I've learned here is going to be different. And so, it's kind of funny, it's made me reflect on my time coming to Austin as a freshman. And I remember remarking, I remember telling Thomas this, last year when we were all feeling kind of topsy-turvy, but I remember thinking about coming to Austin as a freshman and thinking, wow, I should have been terrified because I was leaving everything I'd ever known. I was leaving home. At least when I leave now, I'm not leaving home. I've already done that. I was leaving everything. But I don't remember being scared. I remember being very excited. And I think, um, well, okay, I got off notes here a little bit, so we're getting back on. But my sister, Rebecca, who can raise her hand if she wants to, um, often says that God prepares people for leaving home when it's time. And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about that example. And that also made me think of when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. He gives them the Lord's Prayer. And there's one phrase that always sticks out to me when, when, uh, when we pray the Lord's Prayer. And so I wrote it in italics. I always think it in italics. I'm going to try to read it in italics. So it says, give us this day our daily bread. This day is the italic part. Typeface is very important to me. Um, give us this day. It's not saying, give us this week's bread. Give us all the bread I'm going to need for the rest of my life, and I'll work through it at my own pace. It's saying, give us this day our daily bread. God provides the bread we need for this day, not the next one. That'll come tomorrow. It's like um, when they're gathering manna in the wilderness, which I didn't put this in my notes, so I 
could say something wrong here, but when they're gathering man in the wilderness, and like Moses says, don't go out and gather for the weekend because there's going to be plenty, and there's plenty, and some people gather and then they get in trouble. Like God provides this day our daily bread. And so in the end, it'll work out. Um, that doesn't mean we're not going to worry. And it doesn't mean that everything is always going to work out if I trust in myself or if I trust in God. But in the end, the only thing that matters has already been settled. And I think that is incredibly freeing. And I think RUF's a place that's helped me realize that. And, you know, we're here to learn. So why not learn about the truth? I don't know, I didn't write an ending, so. <laughs> but yeah, John can bail me out. Father, give you thanks that that you have given us the truth of, of who you are through your very son, and we thank you, um, Lord, that because of your work on our behalf, King Jesus, that we do have a hope for uh, a true and final end with you and with all of your people, and uh, I pray for for students here who don't yet have that hope that they would look to you uh, and see that, that this world actually is um, is pointing us to the reality that there is hope, despite its brokenness, because you have walked among us, Lord Jesus, and you hold out eternal life and salvation in you by grace and faith. So it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, my name is Thomas. Um, I do apologize if I may go a little long and I know I'm the last guy, but I'm going to do something a little different here, okay? I'm going to tell a little story. Okay, we'll take out John Trapp's book. We're going to tell a little story. It's going to be hypothetical, but this is all going to be based on various fears or insecurities that I've had from my time in college. Um, and at some point, this feels like I'm preaching a sermon. I promise you, I'm preaching it to myself. Because um, I didn't know the truth of God's gospel. So here's, here's the story. All right. I wake up. This is, let's say it's a Wednesday. Okay. I wake up and I go to class. And in this class, I have a test. And this isn't really realistic because I'm in the journalism school. I don't really have tests. But let's pretend. <laughs> let's pretend I have a test. Okay. It's a big test. And I get in, go into class, sit down, look at the test. And I realize that I've studied like the wrong stuff. Like, I know nothing on this test. And so I try as best as I can, but I turn to the test and I fail. And like, this is like class I need to get in. GPA is done, okay? So that's where we're starting. Failed class, GPA done, okay? And then I go and I get a haircut, okay? And this haircut goes horribly. You ever like been like, getting a haircut and it's just, it starts bad and you don't want to say anything, but it's just, it's, it just keeps getting worse and worse, okay? <laughs> and this is like one, like, it's gonna take about two months, or not two months, about two weeks for it to like, get back to normal. Okay, so we failed test, GPA sunk, terrible hair, okay? And then I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna go for a run. I'm going for a run, stay on campus. Running down Speedway, and, uh, you know, 
this pre-COVID, and it's like tons of people, okay? And I'm like, I gotta impress everybody. I'm running, I got like really good, I'm good form, and like running past this huge group of people, and I just like trip and wipe out, okay? I sprain my ankle, like face is scraped up, super embarrassing, okay? All right, so class has been failed, GPA's on terrible haircut, I've embarrassed myself in front of a lot of people, okay? And then on my way home, I get a call, and it's this internship that I've just been dying to get, like I need this internship. And they call to reject me from the internship. And then I get home and I figure out the person who got the internship is someone who like has a worse resume than me, like in my opinion, they don't deserve this internship. Okay, so bill class, bad GPA, bad haircut, embarrass myself, no internship. Okay, and then it's Wednesday night, so we're going to RUF, all right? I'm up here playing guitar, and I like, I just forget how to play guitar. And I'm like, like messing up so bad, I have to stop playing. Like I just, I have to like step to the side. And then like afterwards, there's like, you know, like, you know, there's always those groups. So there's like a cool group, okay? And I want to work my way into the cool group and say something cool. <laughs> and so <laughs> you probably know what's gonna happen. I make my way into the cool group, and I like. I say a joke and it flops. For whatever reason, it's just, it's bad, okay? Take that however you want, it's just bad, okay? So I made like a fool of myself, okay? So this day, right, failed test, bad GPA, haircut, which was still bad during RUF, plus the scrapes on my face and the sprained ankle that I did all because I was trying to look cool. Rejected internship, messed up music, made a fool of myself in front of cool people. But here's the deal. At the end of this day, like the, again, this is all hypothetical, but like, <laughs> it'd be a really terrible day. But like, I definitely had certain things like this happen, and it feels kind of like death at the end of the day. But here's the truth, this is what I've learned in college, is that even in this no good, very bad, terrible day, at the end of it, the truth is that Jesus delights in me. Psalm 18 says that God rescues us because he delights in us. Psalm 39, 14 says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. As Susie brought up, what John said after every, uh, every week at, at, at RUF, Zephaniah 317, God will rejoice over you singing. And so, like, thinking through this situation, this scenario, where everything has gone wrong, the fact and the truth that we worship a God who delights in us, regardless of how cool we are, how good we look, how good our GPA is, how good our resume is, how cool we are, how he said that. But the point is that God delights in us. And so my encouragement to y'all, if you've ever felt insecure, and it's so easy to feel insecure at Texas, because this is the place where the, the best and the brightest and the coolest all come. But my encouragement is to just rest. There's so much freedom in remembering that God delights in us. And I say this because like, I need this every day. Even now, every morning I need to wake up and remind myself that we worship God who delights in us. So, hope that encourages you. Thank you all.